Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Dangerous Rhetoric. Uh, I'm Brentley. I am Dan. And today, this is episode, what, 120? I think about 120. I think like we always forget, and people are going to start making fun of us for that. That's fine. <laughs> it drives engagement. I am an engagement, engagement. farmer. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I just saw your tweet about that. <laughs> Follow me on X. My handle is right here. Follow me on uh, X. It's Twitter, bro. It's X. I refuse. I'm not doing it. I'm not calling it a letter. I'm not doing it. We can have this argument another time. <laughs> I'm not Don't forget it. to like, comment, subscribe, do all the things, share the show with your friends. We love you. Thank you for watching. Today, we have with you the independent artiste, content creator herself, my youngest sister, uh, <laughs> Copenhaver, right here. Hello. Hey, thank you for uh, making the time to come chat with us. Oh, my God. Always. And we have. Caitlin on the show because Caitlin has done a lot of work about uh, the Epstein affair. You know, we ran around Manhattan with this banner that Caitlin crafted during the lockdowns and we deployed it in places like the Met and Central Park in front of Epstein's old house. If people want some more backstory about all of that stuff in our work and Caitlin's work and our history together, go back and watch our last few episodes we did with Caitlin. She's been on the show before. So yeah, yeah we wanted to bring Caitlin back on to talk about Epstein because it's, you know, in the news right now. And there was the new documents that were unveiled. You know, they were largely promoted as like a client list, which isn't what it was. Yeah. Well, no. let's also clarify too that these aren't necessarily new documents, they're redacted documents. So that's important. Is that it they were previously they were out, but the names were covered up. And now the documents were released with the names revealed. But yes, it was kind of, there was a misconception going around that what was being released was a, a, a Epstein list. Or a client list. Yeah, right. and it's, it's not a list. That's not what came out. No, they're court documents, um, yeah. which we will throw the link either here or like in the description. But if everyone wants the link to the entire uh, collection of documents to read them yourselves, you can do name searches and all of that. We will happily provide that information. Let me do a quick pause. Cute over here. It's so clean. Yeah, we're back. Oh yes, Daniel has moved. You can <laughs> see the, the the new little cow in the background. Oh, I'm in between places still. It's everything's chaos. You don't see the floor. You're <laughs> like you see the you see the walls, but I don't even want to show you guys the floor. Yeah, it's been a whole process, but I am uh, moving once again. I'm always moving. That's partly why we haven't been stable with this. Um, mostly my fault. Brent has been in one location for a while i'm the one who's been like fault yeah it's whatever okay yeah. it happens it does. um so i wanted to show you guys you know when jelaine was um being sentenced <laughs> uh caitlin and i took the banner and went down to um the courthouse with it <laughs> And we got a little call. We were demonstrators, demonstrators. outside the federal courthouse. We're federal well, judge. Definitely one of your finer moments for both of you. <laughs> and as you can Ew. see, this is, this is really the New York Times. Hey, yeah. NewYorkTimes.com. You guys, you guys can, can look it up. It's real. They are it's famous. Real. You have to scroll down a little bit. It's a very big, detailed article. But uh. it's there. Um, well, with, with that said, and I know we we did go over this stuff in previous episodes, but for those who may have not seen those, um, Caitlin, maybe describe a little bit what the Epstein Banner Project is, how you came up with it, 
um, where you plan on taking it. Sure. Um, well, I was sitting in the living room in the apartment and uh, in New York City, in New York City, <laughs> and um, wanted I actually needed I was doing like an Instagram live for um, like an art space I was working with. And I was like, oh, well, like, what could I do? That would be interesting. And then I was also had this like Epstein, you know, phenomena in my head. And I was like, oh, well, let me let me do something here. And then, of course, you know, COVID is uh, happening. And um, so that's in the front of my of my brain. And then I started thinking about how Epstein and these people kind of operate like a virus, right? Like they they infect, they mutate, uh, and they're all connected, and they grow, and they're sinister, and it's gross. And um, they're, the effect that they have on people is extremely damaging. So um, I think actually worse than an upper respiratory infection, but you know. Oh, and and you definitely got some backlash for that too. Like, sure what? Did. What? Were you, are you trying to downplay COVID? How dare you? Why is it the worst kind of virus? Yeah, Why is it? It's yeah. just like, please. Ridiculous. They're both bad. Yeah. But it, you know, it definitely. When you first did this, it made sense to me immediately because you were you were already sort of looking at the concepts of human trafficking and sexual right. assault and abuse and those sorts of things in your work. And, you know, when Brent, I think it was Brent who first introduced you to yeah, that absolutely. story, that just kind of fit in with your work so well. And I would say you have now become one of the most prominent artists actually talking about this, you know, okay. who has work about this, because I feel like not many people are talking about it. It, it was interesting, uh, you know, I kind of looked around and I was like, where are the artists? Like, this is like a gold mine of, yeah. of information and corruption and politics. And it had so much, yeah. um, but- and lessons, lessons. Great raw too. material. Yeah. Right. And yeah, coming coming off of that whole um, predators and prey, um, you know, body of work that I did, um, Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell were sort of like these uh, kind of like anchor points, but also these like like landmarks of these people that actually represent are doing the things that I was like formally talking about in that work, uh, which is like very personal and um, uh, and and it's in in that way. But this is something that's that's outside of me, but it's happening. And, oh, and in, also on a very high scale in an upper echelon of our society and you know, right. our culture. And it basically, you could argue out in the open, you know, this sort of stuff is an open secret. I know we've talked about that right. before too, in regards to Hollywood and the entertainment industry, that it is commonly described as an open secret. The they all, they all, yeah, yeah they, they know what's going on and the back doors and the parties and all that stuff. And a lot of them, they just don't say anything about it because they want to stay in the cool kids club. I think that's what a, a lot of this comes down to. So, you right. know, although many are associated with Epstein, who I would say probably they, they didn't do anything, you know, just knowing and not saying anything. I think there's a level of guilt there too, for some of the people who know the social lights. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I kind of had this like rant on Instagram where, um, where I was talking about how, you know, cause it's always interesting to see how the media spins these things, which is also like part of my work, uh, yes. heavily. Um, and 
you know, on one end, we can't just say, oh, well, he associated with a lot of people and, and, you know, just dismiss it. It's like, well, yeah. you know, he just associated with a lot of people and, you know, that, that's, that's how it's going to be. And it's like, no. And then on the other side of the coin, we can't be like, well, everyone, everyone in the yes. documents is guilty. It's everyone. guilty. Yeah. Well, my, my, no, my brother, my brother brought up Jimmy Kimmel the other day. He was like, I don't know. I don't know if I believe he did it. I'm like, well, you could just be saying that because you like him. And he's like, oh, well, there's not solid evidence. And he, I mean, he's right. There isn't like solid evidence that sure. he did anything. But what I would argue is even though there's no evidence, if you are associated with the guy, some questions need to be asked, you know? Totally. And, and like I said, it's an open secret. So you got to wonder, like, Again, ask questions. How much did Jimmy Kimmel know? How much, you know, did, you know, who did, who else did he associate with? What did he see going on around him that he didn't say anything about? I, I will wonder that immediately for anyone associated with, with him, including Trump. So. Right. Totally. I think, uh, Naomi Campbell is also on the list and mm -hmm. Heidi Klum, which is really interesting. Um, I mean, Naomi Campbell, there's um, pictures of Virginia Guffrey when she was really young and it's like Naomi Campbell's like birthday party or something. And I'm like, Naomi Campbell had to know that, you know, Ghislaine brought these, you know, young girls to yeah. kind of deploy at her party. Yeah. They so could, I mean, look, they could be oblivious and just airheads. Um, I will allow the benefit of the doubt, but like I said, you got to ask the question, how could you not? And immediately, right. the first thing you should wonder is whether or not these people knew, because more than likely, like you said, they had to have. Like, how did you not they suspect anything at all? You know, yeah, like they, they split, party. yeah. You know, the boys or girls, they see them. They know they're there. They see them accompanying the people there, and they probably recognize, like, oh, they look a little young, and just don't say anything. Don't. So don't the cool it. thing yeah. about the new document release uh is nice. that you can search it for names yeah so i just i keep it open as a tab and i was just like naomi campbell and there's two occurrences of her name this is um, and naomi campbell had a party this yep. i don't know what this is the, let's say for the birthday party. party was mentioned like you said yeah i saw that one um why didn't it huh weird uh, this is the one with the birthday yeah. party. Why is it not? It's not letting me scroll down a little bit more. No, it just keeps jumping back to the oh. first page. Hmm. Technical issues. You should just be able to click it. Uh, what if you uh, you view the original PDF document on the right hand side? Oh, there you go. There we go. Let's, like zoom out. Um. Yeah, it says something about a birthday party in France. So they're questioning which time in France, I believe it was around the same time that Naomi Campbell had a birthday party. Where did you have sex with the owner of the large hotel chain in France around the time of Naomi Campbell's birthday party? Answer, in his own cabana townhouse thing, it was part of a hotel, but I wouldn't call it a hotel. Jeffrey was staying there. Jelaine was staying there. Emmy was staying there. Who's Emmy? Do you guys know? No. I was staying there. This other guy was staying there. I don't know his name. I was instructed by Jelaine to go and give him an erotic massage. And that's how they describe the massage is like code for. No. Yeah. yeah. So apparently, she, yeah, she was just, they, they just called a massage, but it, yeah. that, that's what's. Yeah. Lots of. It's a you massage know. with italics, you know yeah, what I mean? Other things, obviously erotic says everything, right? She used the word erotic massage. The questioner asks. 
answer. No, that's my word. The word massage is what they would use. That's their code word, she mm. said. Question, was she in the room when you gave this erotic massage to the owner of a large hotel chain? Answer, no, she was not in the room. She was in another cabana. I'm guessing that's about Naomi. So this uh, would, yeah. Yeah, yes. right? Because they were talking about Naomi Campbell. Unless it's Jelaine. I might have misread it. It's interesting though. People really should go and read the documents. And like Brent said, if if you are interested in any particular names or people who are associated, look it up and see what the testimony says from the victims. Um, see what they like claim. people made a big deal that like Trump was mentioned in here twice. And here are the two mentions and we can go through here. Um, this one was like, uh, Yeah, so she's talking about a flight, like flying with him. Um, They're going to go to New York. And Jeffrey said, great, we'll call up Trump and we'll go. And she doesn't remember what the name of the casino was. And that was it. Yeah, but you have to remember, you know, people have to remember Mar-a-Lago was not too far, right, from where Epstein's place was. Like, weren't they in the same, like, neighborhood? Um, it's Florida House. No, I'm not talking about the island. Yeah. It's Florida House. I think and, then, so. and, and the one time I think Trump or how many times was Trump on the plane? I forgot, but he said he was hitching a ride back. And that was what that was because they right. lived near each other. Right. But who knows, man, as far as these documents show, though, there's nothing really incriminating about Trump. No. And I um, guarantee you the Democrats one more mention, angry as hell about that. So pissed. They're so pissed. So pissed. The headlines, the headlines try to spin it to make it look bad anyway. Like, oh, Trump named in the documents. Yeah, you don't, you don't mention that he was named only twice, and that it doesn't really say anything incriminating about him. Yeah, there yeah. was one more mention I wanted to highlight, but now I broke the. Uh, uh, well, I saw what it said. They they asked him if you know they had surfaced Trump in any way. Right, and it was it was exculpating yeah. evidence. Yeah. That's why I wanted to pull it up because she was like, "No, I never did anything with Trump." Yeah. So it actually exonerates him. Right. Although that again, that that is only one victim, but this is what we got. This is the evidence. You know? Yeah. As opposed um, to Bill so and Prince buddy, Andrew. Leah, which yeah. is a friend of the show. Shout out Leah. She read like the whole thing, like the night it was released. Oh, I saw. I saw. She said that. I'm like, you crazy. She's a bookworm. Of course, well, she, she basically, did. you know, said that it's just a bunch of like lurid details and in descriptions of activities, names, it's, places. It's, te it's testimony. It's it's from deposition. It's from questioning. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's good if you have like you know if you want to like throw a name in there and see what comes out. It's yeah. Super interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. And also, it's kind of funny how, like, Epstein, I feel like he comes back into the news cycle, like, what, once a quarter, twice a year, something like that? Like, true, true. And we always talk with Caitlin. <laughs> as soon as something comes up, we're like, all right, let's bring Caitlin back on. <laughs> updates on the creep. Well, uh, it's interesting that the this one of the big names that was mentioned is Glenn Dubin. And, you know, I did the MoMA project in 2021 because no one was talking about the Dubins. Everyone yeah. was talking about Leon Black, who is equally as disgusting. Um, but he he was kind of getting the major heat. But I found that the Dubins were extra sinister because of the they had they have over like over a decade um, relationship 
with Epstein and um, like welcomed Eva Dubin dated Jeffrey Epstein for 11 years. Um, and they're two trustees of MoMA, Glenn and Eva Dubin as well. So that's why, you know, these like some art news uh, organizations are talking about it. Um, but Epstein apparently is on the record saying that he wanted to wed Selena Dubin, who is uh, the daughter of Glenn and Eva. And she's also speculated to be the girl that's like across his lap when he's on his plane hmm. and her face is uh, blurred out. But yeah, she's on the record saying that she never, she would never ask for a better godfather to her children. It's like really fucking creepy. Yeah. It's like, and then again, what did she know? You know, come on, man. Oh yeah. Eleven she, years, you dated the guy, and you. So know she gave testimony in the defense of Jillian Maxwell and said she never witnessed anything on. Yeah. Yeah, they're 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 in the club. Yeah, so she that. was lying under oath, basically. Yeah, she's lying under this shit. Uh huh. Money. Someone's paying them off, man. And they know they're going to go down too. That's why they're all going to cover. For, even if they didn't do anything, if they <laughs> knew about Dubin's it. testimony also contradicted an accuser's account of a sexualized group massages involving Miss Maxwell, Miss Maxwell, and Mr. Epstein. That witness, identified in court only as Jane, said she first began being used by Maxwell and Epstein when she was fourteen or fifteen years old. Sick. Fucking whack. Um, oh yeah, and they. I think um, Eva Dubin also participated in an in abuse, in like some group thing. Miss Anderson Dubin and her family have long been entangled in the Epstein saga. Her husband and a daughter were known to socialize with Mr. Epstein at his homes, plural. Mm -hmm. And depositions in civil cases have suggested that the Dubins could have been mis aware of Mr. Epstein's abuse how, of underage girls. How could they have not been? If you were spending that much time too, it's in the New home, York Times people, you, you saw who was coming in and out in and out of that place, man. Come on. Yeah. I, I think you're right. You're right, Caitlin. We got to shine more light on these fucking people. There's not enough people talking about them. They're they're getting away with this way too comfortably. You know, this one was funny too. Epstein was threatened to feed rape victim to alligators. Lawsuit alleges. Where are the, all the missing girls? Um, maybe. Oh, maybe that's where. It's possible. Honestly, oh, that oh, there's Caitlin again. There's hey. Caitlin. <laughs> and the banner. I don't know. It's 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 still weird to me too that you're associated with this sort of story too because you're you're such a sweet like lovely kind like loving person you know but your work is about like this really <laughs> the, the most evil shit you can think about. Really. <laughs> you may notice that on our website there's me and Daniel holding the the, the banner from the Met right here. It definitely adds this like interesting dichotomy of like when people meet me. Yeah, and then, like, they're the expecting you show. to be like, I don't know, maybe harder or like really serious, like yeah, everything yeah. is dark and death everywhere and rape. And yeah. you're like, hi, yeah, nice to meet you. Oh my god, thank you for coming. Yeah, you know, this yeah. One's about this one's about rape. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to laugh either, but it's just the juxtaposition. No, totally. It's great. Yeah, we need some com comedic relief with, you know, this things shit, like that. Yes, you got you to gotta have a little levity 
with with these topics because it really is the darkest stuff you can think about. Like, oh, it'll drive you cuckoo, but it's bananas town. Yeah, you can't laugh. Drive Did you crazy. guys see um um uh, the comedian who opened for the Golden Globes, um, Jim Gaffigan, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm from Indiana, and I'm not a pedophile." <laughs> and then there's a Ricky Gervais uh, um, video going around, and he it's, opens the Oscars. That that was yeah, a that's couple, old. That, that was great though. Old, but he, that was twenty twenty. I want to say twenty nineteen. It's it's also like it was right before the lockdowns. I remember when when uh, Gervais oh. did that host, and it was huge it was controversial it was going around yeah. at the time and people were just like wow he really just said that like on television too ballsy man it's another aspect of the covid thing is that it completely like hijacked the media cycle yeah yep. you know epstein's like death had just happened yep, yep. just happened yep and it totally got just it wasn't even six it. months between him being found dead in prison yep and the start of the covid thing very true. Very true. It is t interesting timing. Yeah, Definitely it would be interesting actually to like make like a visual timeline of of these events or like things that are happening in the background and then like things that dominate the media, you know, and how they use the whatever's dominating the, the media to continue their things that they're doing in the background. Yep, you know. happens all the time. All the time. It's basically one of the functions of the media. That's the purpose of it now, at least. Well, thanks to that little rule change in the uh, Telecommunications Act of 1996 under Bill Clinton. What was it? What was the rule change? It let, it let mega, you know, it, it basically allowed for the creation of media mega companies. Before, you couldn't own, like, multiple different um, media companies. So you couldn't own, like multiple different radio stations or you could only own radio stations you couldn't own like a radio station and a magazine and like a television channel and then they got rid of all that in the in, in 96. Ah. and they deregulated the media industry and made it so that you know five corporations could basically own 90 percent of the media market <laughs> Well, that that benefits them right of course Shady. i want well, to that's why we don't have a critical media anymore yeah, I wanted to bring up this story from today, actually, that came out. No, yesterday. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein's brother, uh, Mark Epstein, he did a recent interview, and he basically accused Bill Barr of helping to cover up the death. Um, so he appeared on News Nations the, on Balance, and he told the hosts there. Want to play it? Can I play it? I don't know. Maybe not. Probably better not because we might get like copyright shit on like YouTube or whatever. Oh, right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he basically criticized Barr for announcing right after his brother's death that it was from an apparent suicide. And he said it wasn't his position to do that. Um, and then they also explained it away and they said that the death was like due to a perfect storm of screw ups. That was how they described it. And, you know, he basically said like, yeah, there were screw ups. Um, but quote, that doesn't mean that my brother was, you know, committed suicide because of screw ups. There's a lot of reasons. There are a number of reasons why he would not commit suicide then, unquote. So that's interesting. Um, he also told him that he, his brother told him 
that he had dirt on Trump and Hillary and that this was during the 2016 election. Um, but he said he didn't know what the dirt was, that his brother didn't tell him that. So could be lying. Who knows? Uh, he said he wasn't involved in his brother's day-to-day -day life and that he doesn't really know very much more than that. But he basically posed the question, if Barr is covering it up, which he said he thinks he is, he's asking, well, who is he covering it up for and who is Bill Barr protecting? That's what he asked. Very interesting. Yeah. And well, wasn't it, um, who didn't he get, or it was his father that got um, Epstein into the Dalton school? Donald Barr. Donald Bill Barr. Bill Barr's father. I always get them yes. confused. I forgot. It's very easy. There's so many names. So <laughs> many names. Um, Donald Barr was Bill Barr's dad. Yes. He was the guy in charge of the Dalton school. That gave I Jeffrey Epstein. I forgot all about that, which makes this story even more interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like you have and Epstein's brother questioning this guy now. Yeah, exactly. He's also, like, hmm. Anthony Anthony Blinken, uh, his father was a business partner of Robert Maxwell, Jelaine Maxwell's father. And Anthony and Jelaine would summer together in you know the countryside in jolly old England. Wow, how nice. As children. Wow. Mm -hmm. So you have the True facts, look it up. Parallel. Um, All parallel these like families with like these lines. It's kind of like, it's like really a derivative of sex lactics. It's like who's fucking who. It's like whose mm -hmm. offspring is associated with what, where, how. Well, um, because they, they are, you know, in the same economic class, of course, most of these people are going to know each other or associate. So, you know, like we said earlier, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're guilty or Blinken's guilty or any of that. But it does raise a lot of questions of what, looks... what, what did you know? You know, what did they know? What did you know? And when did you know it is the crucial question yeah. to ask. And it's again, like, like... see anything that you're just not saying. And I, I think most of these people have seen a lot that they're not saying. So Whether they Blinken, did anything is another question. Blinken's, uh, what was with Ghislaine in the? It was him particularly when they were when they were kids. When, when they, they were, were kids. kids. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. He's current Secretary of State. Okay. Yes. Under Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. Yes. And Barr was the former uh, Attorney General. Barr was the previous Attorney General. Now it's Merrick Garland. Interesting. Got to keep up. Yeah, so it's, many, it's, so it's a lot, though. There's so many connections. It's a very complicated web. And I think it, it's that's part of the reason, too, the average person, I think, just doesn't even bother. No, it's, it's too much. It's daunting. You know, you look at it, you're like, how? you know, what am I going to possibly do? And that's just that? what's happening today and right now. If you want to start, like, criticizing history. Right. Like, that was, that's when, you know, we can get into Whitney Webb's work. You know, Whitney mm -hmm. Webb has done the look back and the dirty deeds going back all through the, like tracing the Epstein operation and all of the contacts going back to the early 20th century. Yeah. Why don't you go into some of that and the connections to the Mossad and all of that? Well, and that's the other thing is that there is a heavy connection to the Israeli Mossad and American intelligence, intelligence yeah. agencies. Yeah. Basically the, the main theory about what was going on with Epstein is not, not just that he was um, selling, a, we'll say, selling kids as a product 
that's the way I can describe it to a particular clientele. But it seems like he was also running a, a blackmail scheme of some sort. He was trying to bring right. as many powerful people into into the network as possible and then capture some kind of photographic or video evidence of them in an incriminating situation with the minor to then use that over these powerful people for leverage later. Hey, vote this way, invest this way, do this, do that. Um, and that to me seems like the most likely scenario because it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. You also got to wonder how many of those other schemes are going on. How many That's other schemes are there? Doesn't yeah. he just look like Darth Sidious? He he's does. just like this little gnome. He's, he's just like, gnome. He's just like, like he's, yeah, like An you evil know, little gnome. I mean, sometimes these people, you're, you know, they can, you're like, oh, you know, they're like, you know, because like, uh, you know, a psychopath or whoever isn't like they don't necessarily look kind of ugly, right? Um, but sometimes it's like. It's in the eyes. It's in the eyes. It's in the eyes. It definitely okay. is in the eyes, for sure. Yeah. Um, you look close like, enough there. It's like an emptiness there, but also like right. just sometimes the eyes are just like. Yeah. So Webb goes back into the details with her Too Big to Fail series, too. She's got part one and part two. She goes all the way back to the Prohibition era. Oh, my God. You know, taking it forward, tracking it, like. The organization that basically became the Epstein operation and Wex wow. the Wexner thing began as like liquor runners and bootlickers. Hmm. And Whoa. then they got, you know, involved in working with the FBI or what was the, the precursor of the FBI. I forget what Isn't that how uh, the Kennedy dynasty got started too? Like uh yep. JFK's father yep. was a bootlicker. JFK's uh, grandfather made his money. Grandfather, money. grandfather, sorry. Yeah. Illegal liquor. Um, yeah, so that's like the way, way back history. <laughs> um, wow. And then more recent is like this one, which kind of just like talks about the me this thing called the mega group. And the mega group is basically a group of wealthy uh, billionaire philanthropists, donors that um, are into what they call uh, like ethno philanthropy, what did she call it? which is philanthropy benefiting a single ethnic or religious group. In this case, it's Jews, <laughs> which is, oh, you can't talk about it. You said Jews. Oh, no. I'm like, oh. You're canceled, right? I know. It's like, God forbid you talk about You can't talk about the Jews. As soon as you mentioned, like, the Jews, it's like mentioning, like, you know, the prophet Muhammad. Like, all of a sudden, there's a group of people whose who's ears perk up, and they just get, what is he going to say next about my people? Whoa, dude! Like, <laughs> relax. Just the happen. Just because there happens to be some Jewish people here does not mean we're talking about all Jews. Well, so now that you're on this topic, to be clear, there are evil people in every ethnic group, every, every culture, and every race, yeah. skin color, or whatever. Evil doesn't have about. a race or yeah. a gender. Jew Jews, or, yeah, Jews are not exempt from from Except the Chinese being we, evil. You know, like they're the Borg, just like right? every other group. We understand that China, China's the Borg, right? Okay. They're the Borg. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. But it's just, it is an important point to remember though. It's like, there is no one group based on like your skin or whatever that's going to determine, oh, they're more evil than the other group. There's just evil yeah, people no. and you're going to find yeah. them in all the different groups. Yeah. What's interesting is how- these But when you do, don't use the group to excuse the evil too. Yeah. Well, and that's that they always Be have- inclusive with your evil. Yeah. 
this was so funny is that they, there seems to be a very like pro-Israel bend to this group of billionaires. Huh. Um, and no, Les Wexter was a co-founder. Oh, co-founder. So they're big on, you know, Israel and big yeah. on, you know. I, I feel like that connection too is seriously being downplayed and especially because of the current like escalation and conflict going over there and all that shit. It's been rumored like, that Wexner runs Ohio like his own private state. Really? <laughs> well, he That's owns, crazy. he basically like owns the police, the police force as well. I think that was like something in Maria Farmer's, um, in her case where she was talking about like she was trying to get help and from, she, from the police and they weren't helping her or something. Huh. Yeah. And that she suspected that they were in his pocket basically. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. So she goes and then the mega group is also connected to the organized crime network that she follows up through from the prohibition era. Um, and she, she says was led by a notorious American mobster Meyer Lansky. Oh, I heard about him. Yeah, the Jewish mob was a thing, too. That's another thing people don't realize. Like, the Italians had their mob. Well, yeah, we all know the Italian mob, but a lot of people don't talk about the Jewish mob. Yeah. was a thing, and they were just as bad as the Italian mob. They were. And then it's pretty well established Robert people. Robert Maxwell. He was this, you know, he's a British media mogul. He was like the Rupert Murdoch of London right. in, you know, the 60 to 80 period. And he basically worked for the Israeli Mossad. And yeah. like the Mossad is like the Israeli CIA, if you aren't aware. I just looked um, up their their motto is "By deception, thou shalt wage war." <laughs> so, so Meyer wow. Lansky. I didn't know Lansky, that was your motto. <laughs> uh, apparently, Meyer Lansky was also known as the quote-unquote mob's accountant was his nickname. Um, it says, along with Lucky Luciano, he was instrumental in the development of the National Crime Syndicate in the United States. A member of the Jewish mob, Lansky developed a gambling empire that stretched around the world. He was set to own points percentages in casinos in Vegas, Cuba, the Bahamas, and London. Um, he also had a strong influence with the Italian-American mafia, and he played a big role in basically bringing the criminal underworld together, consolidating it. This is also he's probably, you know, he's probably doing the numbers for all these people. It's Crazy. interesting to do it. the, yeah. the war happening in Israel right now. Yeah. Ooh, Very interesting. Heart. Ooh, radar. Phew. The radar just fart. Yes, it did. Oh, I don't miss that. <laughs> I, I miss too, many, not that. too many chicky treats. Uh, I don't miss um, that. I don't miss Damien. And so the mega group had close ties to uh, both Robert Maxwell and Mark Rich. And uh, many uh, Israeli politicians, including present and past prime ministers. So in this report, yeah. he gets into his connection to uh, Netanyahu and the Likud party. So what you're saying is the Israeli government can have bad people in it who do bad things and are associated <laughs> with bad people. I thought Jews weren't capable of that, Brent. No, they're God's chosen people. And if you say anything bad about any Jew ever, you are, you know, the Antichrist. Gotcha. You're an anti-Semite. I'll watch my mouth then. You better. You better. You keep the Jews at your mouth. <laughs> oh, man. I think it's funny. You know, I love talking about the Jews. I love talking about any group of people. It's I just I just I love talking about whatever I want. Yeah. Well, right. Like because when you, that's when you get into trouble is when people start getting into yeah. groups 
That's when problems start forming. Well, because like, like I said, <laughs> you start excusing the bad behavior because your group did it. And it's like, you can't yes. do that. The tribalism kicks in yeah. and you start excusing yeah. the bad behavior of your friends because they're your friends and you're in the same club. Yeah. Although Basil would disagree with us and he would say, actually, you should be doing that. And that's why that's why the left always wins because they do that. So just to basil pill people. Yes, but there's a, there we can transcend that. We can evolve beyond that. We can. Sure. You don't think we're just a bunch of dumb, primitive, no, uh, carnal, evil bastards? Nope. I have faith in humanity. Oh, isn't that cute? Oh. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I don't know who Mark Rich was. Me um, either. I've never seen that name actually. She also gets into. Uh, da -da 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 -da. Uh, mega group co-founder Charles Bronfman mm. ate a successful Mossad plant to plant a trapdoor okay. in the U.S. created software, <clears throat> which was then sold right. to governments and companies throughout the world. Yes. Mark Rich. Mark Rich was an international commodities trader, a financier, and a businessman. He founded the commodities company Glencore and was later indicted in the United States on federal charges of tax evasion, wire fraud, and racketeering, and making oil deals with Iran during the Iran hostage crisis. He fled to Switzerland at the time of the indictment and never returned to the U.S. He received the widely criticized presidential pardon from Clinton. On his last day in office, his ex-wife, Denise, made large donations to the Democratic Party. So that's <laughs> Mark Rich. Yeah, he died in 2013, so he is no longer with us. That's funny. Sounds like a great guy. <laughs> that's what it is. Wow. <laughs> wow. The Democrats, you know, they take money from some great people. Yeah, they do, don't they? <laughs> They're like, Cuckoo but we're Banana so Town. good, though. Um, yeah, so that was him. And then that plot success was largely due to the role of a close associate of then-President Ronald Reagan, an American politician close to Maxwell, who later helped aid Reagan in the cover-up of the Iran-Contra scandal. Interesting. So Jelaine's father did that. Um, no. Maxwell, who's a business partner, who aided. Yes. But yeah, yes. yeah, Robert Maxwell sold the software. Mm -hmm. gotcha. And then and then this co-founder is the person who put a trapdoor in the software. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. And then Jelaine, years later, uh, becomes involved through Jeffrey Epstein. At the same time, Epstein was bankrolling a similar software program now being marketed for critical electronic infrastructure in the US and abroad. So huh. that company has a deep and troubling connection to the Israeli military intelligence and associates of the Trump administration and the mega group. Interesting. It's like a lot of these Epstein people were like infecting the Trump organization, the Trump administration. Yeah. Um, Epstein hmm. appears to have ties to Israeli intelligence and has well-documented ties to influential Israeli politicians and, and the mega group. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to say it, it's interesting, like I mentioned earlier, that those connections really aren't being mentioned very much and they're seriously being downplayed. And when I say that, I'm talking about by a lot of right wing and conservative influencers who like to talk about Epstein. Oh, Epstein didn't kill himself and all oh, their pedo rings and the elite and all the Democrats are associated with them. But they all seem to leave out the fact that Mossad was also associated with them in Israel because a lot of them are very pro-Israel. 
So it's uh-huh. like, do you, like yeah. they're they're leaving that part of the story out. Like they're mentioning Epstein, they're talking about the trafficking right. ring, they're talking about the Democrats, but they're leaving out the Israeli connection because they don't want to touch that. They're scared of touching it because of what Brent said right. earlier. They don't want to be cast out of their their cool club and on the right. Yeah, and it's it, it, then it gets it to be more about like the person's uh you know identity and how they identify with these topics and these yeah. these parties right when really it's actually just about an objective truth yeah. you know so if you can't look at it and and see that you know uh, a country that you stand by is is you know a really corrupt. big part and corrupt and you can't swallow that pill and accept that then you know you really shouldn't even be commenting on this at all because it's, yeah. you know, it needs to be kind of all in the same. It's, it's, it's definitely an important big part of the story, you know, totally. especially the Maxwells. They're the ones who are the most connected with the Israeli intelligence yeah. world, even more than Epstein himself, it seems. So she and seems to, too. Yeah. Like she seems, she seems to have been, she was like his line, it seems, that she was his line to them. At least I would guess that, but I don't know. Yeah. I know Whitney um, also um, uncovered that the Ghislaine, the Maxwell's relationship with Bill Gates actually started a lot earlier than is uh, like in, known, um, but it started like in the eighties, also like around software. So yeah, I, I think there was a big. There's I remember reading about that, and she was like, they supplant. They got in early when like he was splitting off with his business partner. And I think she was even instrumental in some of those shenanigans. Mm, so um, that's yeah. all in the other, the other article I wrote, the too big to fail series. Yeah. That Maxwell family is like really powerful. I did videos on it a long time ago. They're probably on rumble somewhere, maybe in the it's Brentley thing. I don't know where, but um, but an interesting, another connection here is with Ronald Lauder of Este Lauder, which was his wife. Um, interesting. Yeah, perhaps the most, here, I'll pull this back. Um, so she says, perhaps the best illustration of how connections between many of these players meld together can be seen in Ronald Lauder, who is a mega group member, a former member of the Reagan administration, a longtime donor to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, and the Likud party, as well as longtime friend of Donald Trump and Roy Cohn. Wow. Um, yeah, so overlooked yet famous client and friend of Roy Cohn is the billionaire heir to the Estee Lauder Cosmetics fortune, Ronald Lauder. Lauder is often described in the press as a leading Jewish philanthropist and as the president of the World Jewish Congress, yet many of his media profiles tend to leave out his highly political past. <laughs> Conveniently. Um, in a statement given by Lauder to the New York Times, reporter Maggie Haberman, 2018, Cosmetics Air noted that he has known Trump for over 50 years, going back at least to the early 1970s. According to Lauder, his relationship with Trump began when Trump was a student at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, which Lauder also attended. Hmm. Bougie bitches. This thing. So bougie. The Lauder School. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the exact nature of friendship is unclear. It is evident they shared many of the same connections, including to the man who would later count them both as clients, Roy Cohn. 
Much has been said of the ties between Cohn and Trump. Cohn was particularly close to Lauder's mother, Estee Lauder, born Josephine you want, Metzer. You guys want to search some of these names? Let's look up Cohn. Let's look up uh, who else to be Lauder. talking about. Uh, Mark Rich. Let's see if any of these people. I'm curious. Estee was even counted among Cohn's most high-profile friends in his New York Times obituary. Got a nice little obit in the New York Times. Wow. Very special. <laughs> These people, I can't. These, yeah. They're like all these like billionaire, rich, evil, pedophile, sociopaths and shit. Well, and it's interesting. Pathetic. It's interesting too, because, you know, Estee Lauder is like a massive name. So they also hide behind these like culturally accepted and known uh, brands, you know? And we wouldn't think twice about it. We're like, right. oh, yeah. Victoria's right. Secret, Estee Lauder. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, what was the the recent oh, brand? Vanity that... Fair, Condi Nast. Condi Nast is a company that owns Vanity Fair, right? What was the recent one that did the freaking weird ad with the kids? Balenciaga. The... Balenciaga, Balenciaga, same thing. You know? And look how fast that went away. Oh yeah, you know? everyone's still. Oh, they're they're, they're still selling shit. No one boycotting them. Like it's just that just got swept under the rug. Oh, that that you know that that photo shoot that was just a weird person we brought in who did that, right? Sure. <sighs> That was just a one-off thing. I'm very so sure it was. Bizarre. Even yeah. though, like, there there were documents on the, yeah. on the table. Even though, like, like it still went through. You still, you still, you still approved it. You still published it. Someone approved that. Who approved that? Who? It's just like, come on, man. Yeah. You didn't see anything wrong with that ad at all. It's crazy they still have business right now. But it just goes to show how quickly the media can brush these things under the rug and make people forget. They'll give you the blip of the story because. In most cases, they have to tell it. If, yeah. if Twitter, if Twitter's talking about it, at some point they're going to have to say something, right. and then that's it. You don't hear about it anymore. There's we no don't follow have up media. We have no. like a, we don't have real journalists. Real journalists would be following up on these stories. Would like Whitney Webb is like a real journalist? Like if you were, yeah, if you were part of a real journalist organization, or if, say if I ran one, I would take one of my reporters and I would assign them to Balenciaga. I'd be like, you are going to yes. investigate Balenciaga. You're going to keep track of this. You're going to keep looking at them, see what more things come up, investigate, and let's see if we can get a follow-up to what's going on. No. I mean, and to be a real journalist is really put, you put your life on the line. Yes. Literally. And so, you know, it's, it, I guess it, it doesn't sell quite well either. It, no, it doesn't. There's a lot of risk to it and most don't want to go through the headache. And once they get into the media field, they realize the big bucks isn't in being honest. The big bucks yeah, is, correct. you know, you you want that high paying position, you shut the fuck up and you report what we tell you to report. Yeah. And then you, you, up and you take jobs. you take the advertiser dollars yes. from our affiliated advertiser network. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And how dare you tell our advertisers to GFY Elon yep. Musk? <laughs> They're so mad about that. It's crazy. We just have like a little side. Maybe we can have like a little side about Musk. Yeah. Yes. Jelaine Maxwell did try to photobomb him in a yes. picture, and uh, that had been that picture had been used to uh, tar baby his character basically by association. Yeah, and there's no evidence he ever was involved, you know, with Epstein or yeah. Jelaine whatsoever. It's like of that one they, picture. Well, these rich at a people, Vanity Fair party. Yeah, they they go to the same events and stuff. You know, I'm sure a lot of them have rubbed elbows. It was funny, but but, but to go back to my point earlier, because I'm not going to let Musk off the hook. Yeah, he attended those parties. He knew some of these people. 
what did he see? What did he know? They, these are questions you should still ask even of Musk. But there's no evidence the guy did anything. Well, Beyond and, and, being and, in a and picture the, tech, the tech people too, you know, yeah. just in general. The, the whole tech world, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, Silicon Valley, all of it, yeah. Yeah, they're all. Just look at Twitter. Look, look, before Musk came on, look at the fact that the, the FBI and these three-letter agencies had access already to Twitter and were right. using that for all these other things. You know, let's fuck with Trump and, and let's let's downplay COVID and let's do all this when you could have used that apparatus to, I don't know, find all the predators who are on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Catch them. You know, I'm not saying they should have abused the power for any of that stuff, but the point is they were already accessing Twitter in that way. But eh, we're not interested in catching predators. We're we're interested in, in banning people who are talking about the vaccine. And swaying public opinion. Yeah. In our favor. Or questioning the election or whatever it is. It's yeah. crazy. No, it's cuckoo bananas. Yeah. We, I think we talked about this a year ago, actually, now with Kyle Serafin. That was a year ago. Crazy. That was a year ago. But I remember he mentioned this too, and he said, really... I remember he said a lot of it actually comes down to the fact that he says it doesn't even occur to them, which is probably even scarier to think about. So he said it's not even that they're like deliberately trying to cover up the predators and stuff. Just like, Twitter. Like, it's like they're, they're not even focused on that. They're not even thinking about it when they get access to Twitter and did the stuff they did. That wasn't even what they, it didn't even cross their minds to do that. Yeah. So messed up. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, Dismantle the FBI. Abolish yes. it. Get rid of all of the federal government's agencies, actually. Yes. I think yeah. all of them. All of them <laughs> are if, if you if you can <laughs> be turned into three letters and you weren't in the constitution, you can go. Well, JFK tried to break up the CIA, right? Yeah, he famously said scatter he them to the four winds. Yes, yeah, smash it into a thousand pieces and scatter them to the wind. Yeah. And yeah. we, we see how we saw how that ended out. They do need ah, to is that, is that what he said about when he wanted to break them up? Something like that. Like that's that's the famous line, apparently. Hold and on, we also that quote. Yeah, know, I want to see that quote. That's interesting. After the whole like Bay of, Bay of Pigs disaster and all that shit too, that was when he fired Alan Dulles, who was the head of the CIA at the time, who later became part of the Warren Commission to investigate Kennedy's death. So right. that's not that's not weird or a couple investigating the fox about the robbing of the hen house after like you know the hens have all been murdered like yeah you're gonna put the fox in charge oh, yes. okay okay splinter uh, splintered the CIA into a thousand pieces and scatter it into the winds I think you said it exactly like that yeah splinter the CIA yeah not smash splinter yeah splinter. And not four winds just the winds the wind yep <laughs> that's it. Um, this statement was reported hmm. by a New York Times journalist in 1966, three years after Kennedy's assassination. Hmm. <laughs> it is believed that this quote was a reflection of Kennedy's frustration with the CIA after the Bay of Pigs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. well, they were doing. They were operating for the most part behind his back, and that is what they do. But that's he, what they do. He didn't realize the extent of it until that incident, and then he realized, like wow, this entire organization is basically doing whatever the hell it wants without any with oversight, no oversight? Um, from the executive branch at all. It's like they could just do whatever. With their own black with budget? With their own secret yeah. budget, yep. Yeah. And, and untraceable money, which is why, you know, they use drug money. That's part of the reason they use drug money, human trafficking, uh, and money like that. This is money that's all off the books. You can't trace it. And then they right. funnel that money into what they call special access programs and shit like that. 
Mm. Or turn it into crypto nowadays. Yeah, that's probably what they're doing. Like, you want to know why crypto is not like, I, I just, I realized Bitcoin hit 45,000. Did you guys notice? Crazy. Wow. I wasn't even looking, man. I've been so wrapped up in everything else. I, but, wow. I, I noticed and I was like, it seems like it's, uh, there was also this weird announcement that was like supposedly fake about the SEC doing like a rule change uh, to allow Bitcoin to be traded somehow new. And the news like sent the price like skyrocketing. And then somebody came out and was like, no, 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 it's, it's fake. We're just uh, kidding. Uh, uh, um, yeah. I guarantee you there are definitely people out there who introduce those rumors to then spike the price to then sell. And then when it goes back definitely. down, they buy more. SEC said that their Twitter account was hacked. Um, and it boggles my mind that the SEC does not have like two-factor authentication on <laughs> <laughs> like on their ex account, like yes, I mean, how did you get hacked? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I read. Uh, I remember hearing in a spaces. I think that Twitter confirmed that they were actually hacked. Um, so it was a hack. It wasn't, um, you know, the SEC lying, uh, which they have been accused of. Like there's been an accusation that they, they were lying about it. That and then that they backtracked after the. The price started to skyrocket. <laughs> I know Whitney. Whitney does a lot of uh, work around uh, crypto as well, and she's kind of tied that. That's like, it's. I mean, it's all. I think all of her work is related, but that's like a its own subset as well, which is interesting. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of stuff. It's a lot. And I mean, speaking of a lot, I mean, just going back to um, the article, like it goes into. Uh, the Lauder Cohn relationship, how uh, there was a 2016 article in Politico about a 1981 dinner party that was at Cohn's weekend home in Greenwich, which was attended by Ronald Lauder's parents, Estee and Joe, as well as Trump and then wife Ivana, who were also living about two miles away where they had their weekend home. Um, and that party was held soon after Cohn helped Reagan secure the presidency and had reached the height of his political influence. Mm. At the party, Cohen offered toasts to Reagan and then Senator from New York, Alphonse D'Amato, who would later urge Ronald Lauder to run for political office. So there's like all these names, like Cohen and Alphonse D'Amato. You want to look some of them up. Do a search in the documents. See if any of them are mentioned in testimony. Uh, no, I broke the documents. So I can't like... You broke... The documents. <laughs> no, this is searching like all documents now, I think. Oh. Yeah. Well, it's going to say look up Mark Rich. Look I have to like, up, go find um, the link again. It's not letting me. Who else did we mention? Um, when I reload the page, it doesn't take me to the right page. We should see if Lauder does show up in case like there was like a party or like something around that brand. I wonder. Yeah, very strange. Um, and then there's this other guy, Samuel Bronfman, and the, the mob connections. Oh yeah, the mob. It like it's it's so deep. The mob still around? Of course. I mean, it's not as powerful, but there's always going to be secret crime organizations. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, this is like, 
earlier stuff. And then two years later, Ronald Lauder was appointed to serve as United States Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense <laughs> for European and NATO affairs. Whose only professional experience at that point was working for his parents' cosmetic company. Yeah, yeah, As yeah. context. So it's like, wow, you went like, from that to that. They got to make a lot of appointments when they win an election. <laughs> This wow. is actually one of Trump's uh, famous tactics in 2016 that was um, widely, it was very popular, is that he would announce his appointments in advance. And uh, there was a writer I was reading today who was suggesting that he do that again and go through and sort of like, you know, early announce his, his picks for VP or his possible picks for VP. Wait, and why is that a good strategy? Because it lets you solidify your messaging and it also uh, gets people in more interested in the political process. Also, the guy was arguing that Trump needed to dominate the news cycle at least twice a month. And so by doing regular drops where you're like announcing potential picks for appointments, you give people the opportunity to scrutinize and you know give feedback about selections that you have for judgeships or you know, Secretary of Defense or the cabinet, you know, whatever, you know, it's going to be. So it's really, you know, a, like a PR move. It's yes. like a marketing move. Yes, it's a marketing move because you want to, yeah, Trump's, so Trump's going to have to like dominate the news cycle basically if he wants to win because he's going to have this nonstop spew of character assassination press coming from the machine. Yeah, I mean, he already dominates the news cycle, it seems like. Well, he does, but they're constantly talking about him in a negative way. He uh, has to offer a positive counter vision to keep himself in the news cycle and with positive mention. So mm -hmm. one way he can do that, you know, besides regularly spe doing speeches in town halls and things, campaigning in general, is to make announcements about appointments and encourage people to give, you know, feedback and scrutiny. Interesting. It also reminds the voting public that they're not just voting for one man. They're voting for thousands of political appointments. Right. Um, you know, it gives people the opportunity to get more involved in the process, which is not something the Democrats do. They don't announce their appointments in advance. Republic, major Republican candidates, they don't do that. It's no. never. It was never a thing. Trump did it... Uh, he made a big deal out of doing it for Scalia because Scalia died under curious circumstances. Uh, and Trump was going to, uh, Trump wanted to make sure the conservative base know that they were, he was going to replace him with another conservative. Mm. Interesting. It's probably good because, you know, if, it's funny because at the end of the day, Trump's Supreme Court appointments might be the thing that sort of end up saving his ass. Yeah. <laughs> Because if they had, if we had a Colorado Supreme Court situation on our, you know, national Supreme Court, if Hillary Clinton had been, you know, making those appointments, we'd be, we'd be in deep doo doo. Oh, Hillary, Hill and Bill. Shut up! She won't go away. Hill and Bill. She was like just in the news cycle. That's the other so thing. Like, Bill Clinton. They're so creepy. They're so Bill Clinton. Oh, I mean, while even... there was no evidence of wrongdoing, I should say this in the oh. documents uh, regarding Bill Clinton. His name did come up a number of times and he is in the Epstein flight logs like 26 times. And he probably has done some dirty, dirty deeds. Yeah, and he's he's photographed uh, all over 
um, with there's like a a photo of him. I don't know if uh, I don't know if it, I think it might be Virginia Guffrey, but he's like she's like giving him a massage and he's just like smiling and and then there you know Ghislaine. There's a great two great photographs of Ghislaine and Jeffrey at the White House with Bill Clinton like shaking his hand. Right. So those are really great. But I think the most iconic photograph of this whole saga is the Prince Andrew photograph that apparently I think Jeffrey took. And it, it's a photograph that really, it started to kind of break, break you know, or, you know, show more of this. Um, so that was interesting to me that like photography itself had like such a weight, you know, in this case and still does. Yeah. So uh, this one, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that really wild. Look how happy everyone is. <laughs> next drafting of minors. Oh God. Yay. Oh yay. It must be nice to be royal and rich and sex trapping. What the fuck is wrong with these people? Like <laughs> Andrew is like especially disgusting. <laughs> This is so fucking weird. I don't understand. Like, so weird. You've got all the money, all the power, all the all the things in the world, and what you do with your time, you abuse children. How much do you guys think the royal family knew about this? Uh, hmm. You know, he, you know, he might have he might have not wanted them to know about these things too, because it would have ruined. His I mean, I wouldn't go. I don't. I don't go telling my sexcapades to mom and dad. Yeah. So. So I mean, I don't know. I. I doubt the queen knew, and if she did. It was probably something she found out about through the grapevine. Unless the but, queen is yeah. a lizard shapeshifter. Who knows? The queen also knighted Jimmy Seville, uh, that notorious. Right? I mean, the Especially queen knights. Like, the queen knights lots of people. She and of I, and, yeah, she does. So but also, know. like the well, pedophile problem in the UK is deep and dirty. Yeah, and that's, a, that's a whole other. There's this version in the UK. There was. Remember, I went down a wormhole about a island um, with tunnels that the Epstein's Island was supposed to actually be like. It, it took inspiration from this former island. Um, so yeah, this has been going on for since you know the beginning of time. It was rumored and hypothesized that Epstein's Island had underground facilities. We'll never sure. know. They, pro they probably filled all those in, dismantled everything by now, hit the probably. Well, they was... trying to like. I saw some article. They're like trying to rebrand it now. I wonder who owns the island now. It's called Little Saint James. I think Little Saint James. Yep. Little Saint Little James. Little Saint James. So Stop it, <laughs> friggin' pedos. Small, small private island in the United States Virgin Islands, southeast of St. Thomas. It was Is owned it for by. Sale? That's probably for sale. Um, let's see. So he owned it from 1998 until he died in 2019. During his ownership, the island acquired local nicknames such as Epstein Island, the Island of Sin, and Pedophile Island. Um, let's see. It's an area of 70 to 78 acres. It's. Um, Oh, it has mountain peaks on it. Okay, ownership. It's a private island. It was owned before Epstein by a venture venture capitalist named Arch Cummin. <laughs> Cummin. And was for <laughs> was for sale for 10.5 million 
in 98, a company called LSJ LLC purchased the island for $7.95 million, And documents showed that Epstein was Cheap the sole... And Epstein was the sole member of that company, of that LLC. In 2019, the island was valued at $63 million. Uh, it was Epstein's primary residence. He called it Little St. Jeff, apparently. Oh, boy. Ew. <laughs> oh, God. The house on the island was renovated by Edward Tuttle, a designer of the Armin Resorts. In 2008, Epstein's estate on the island had 70 staff. According to a former staffer, Epstein insisted on discretion and confidentiality from employees. Yeah, I bet and, he did. Yeah, sure. <laughs> in March, in March 2022, sign this NDA real quick. Yeah, seriously. Oh in March, in March 2022, the island and the neighboring island, Great Saint James, were listed at 125 million. A lawyer for Epstein's estate stated that the money obtained from the sale would be used to settle a number of lawsuits. Yeah, bespoke, yeah, bespoke Real Estate, the agency jointly overseeing the sale, stated that further information on the listing was only available to prospective buyers. In May 2023, billionaire Stephen Deckoff, under his firm SD Investments, announced the acquisition of Great St. James and Little St. James Islands for $60 million. So it's currently owned by Stephen Deckoff. That's the current owner. Oh, he bought it. He bought it yeah, in May. I, I looked up the um the current owner of the Upper East Side Mansion as well, and it's a former Goldman Sachs executive, Michael Daffy. He purchased the Michael home for fifty one million. And why do you want to own these things? Just dismantle them. Like they're cursed. Like I would view them. These places are cursed. I would never apparently buy. Apparently, he with proceeds from the sale going to Epstein's victims compensation program, Daffy secured a 30.6 million loan from Citigroup to purchase the home. Wow. So he uh, really wanted this home. Yeah. Weird. I found, so he sold another home for it. I just found a story. This was March 17th, 2021, uh, New York post, Michael, oh. Daffy, Michael Daffy lists $3 million home after buying Jeffrey Epstein's mansion. So he bought the mansion and then sold another home. So he so he bought the mansion, gave money to victims, and then he resold the mansion. No, he sold another house. He oh, sold another house. Different. Yeah, yeah. So rich uh, people have multiple houses, Caitlin. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In case you didn't know, yes, they usually have like at least three. Like Bernie <laughs> Sanders has three, I think. Wow. <laughs> Don't Let's ask see. how many the Obamas have. So he paid fifty-one million for the Upper East Side mansion of. Epstein. Let me Google that. Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. Um, I'll show you something real quick, real funny. Um, there was a community notes on this post with Joe Biden's face being warped. It's like Joe Biden's face has been digitally altered. <laughs> oh my god! I reposted it and I was like, "Who did this?" <laughs> four. Apparently, they have four homes. Uh, Obama's important context. Chicago. They have a student apartment in new york aren't they, they selling aren't they selling the home now where they just found the dead yeah center? yeah they sold oh, that. boy is that suspicious man they're, they're moving out of, Saint, of martha's vineyard yeah that they have a mansion in martha's vineyard they're moving they they listed it yeah because uh, shortly, shortly after the Fari campbell died in the lake under questionable circumstances yeah. 
I'm, dude, yeah, that I'm, is still such a suspicious. I am very. The like, rumor I'm, is that the chef was having an affair with one yeah. of the daughters, or it could have been Obama himself, or it could have been Obama. Who knows? Seriously, I mean, now after the test, who knows? These people are freaky deaky. Maybe well, he's well, doing well, both of them. Who was the guy? Who was the guy in Tucker? Larry Sinclair was that his name? Larry Sinclair. Oh yeah, who said yeah. that Obama was? That Obama is uh, heteroflexible. We'll say a lot. A lot of people are questioning his testimony, but I don't know. The more I look at it, and he he hasn't changed his story. Tucker said he's been telling that same story the entire time. He's never changed it. Like, what does that guy have to gain from it? You know, like he's just being smeared. They're they're making fun of him. They're so I I tend to believe him. Yeah, and Obama to. was a great puppet. I mean, he did everything perfect. He was the first black president. He did a really good job of continuing the Bush uh, agenda, mm -hmm. the the neoliberal. You know, he was going to bring in hope and change. Remember hope and change? Yes. Well, and he, he was like compared oh, to Bush, Bush, wet dream on steroids. Well, because Bush was kind of a, a doofus on the mic. You know, well, Bush they... couldn't get away with it. Bush wasn't very yeah. slick. Obama. Yeah. Obama's very charismatic and a very good speaker. Like he really knows how to the crowd. Yeah. And like you can't take that away from the guy. You know, he's very And they always had positive press too. Always. Yeah, well, yeah, the media was definitely on their side most of the time. Yeah. That's one of the things about Trump that really started to get me to ask questions, just because I had never seen basically all of the media for the most part, I guess besides like Fox, so unified against the president in that right. way. I'd never seen it before. That's why I'm supporting him now. <laughs> oh, you're a Trumper? You evil? I, I am I'm making my official, my official endorsement is for Donald Trump for 2024. Fascist. Fascist. Yes. Fascist. Make, fascist. make America fascist again. <laughs> because when we were fascist the fascist. first time, it was amazing. You remember the first <laughs> Trump years? They were great until... Shame on you, Brent. You hate your own kind, Brent. You hate your own kind. They had to cause a friggin' pandemic in order to get Trump out of office. That's how good it was. He's yeah. gonna take your rights away, Brent. <laughs> like what? My right to, like, murder babies? <laughs> say that, Brent. It's the woman's choice, Brent. <laughs> it's a woman's choice whether or not she murders her baby in the womb? Yes, because it's her body. The baby doesn't have a body yet, except for stealing the from her. The like has. a parasite. That it is interesting the whole like my body, my choice argument, and how that so that applies to itself the, with the vaccine. It, it also doesn't apply to the baby's body in regards to the argument of abortion. It doesn't. No, only the woman's body is considered, not the baby's body. Right. So yes, it's something to consider. Right. Yes. Very strange. Brett, also, you're, you're that ruling, just you're randomly aside, that ruling was a terrible ruling. You know, a clear violation of the Tenth Amendment, and it was constitutionally appropriate that it got thrown out you, and got kicked oh, back to the states. You mean Roe v. Wade? Yes. Okay. I do think there was some shenanigans involved in that because we never found who leaked the who early. Leaked yeah. Interesting. You know, and huh. there. That also that really played into um, the lack the, of a twenty twenty two wave, and the midterms. It definitely it very much it, it very much helped the um, helped the establishment uh, get that yeah. you know well, get that push. Rally yeah. their base up, get them to the polls. Like they're threatening yeah. your rights, you know. Rally them up and get them to the polls. So it's probably part. Yeah. It's definitely part of the reason Republicans didn't do as well in the midterms. I agree with that. 
Oh, there's a kitty at the back gate. What are you looking at? I got my notification and there was motion at the back gate and it was a kitty. There's <laughs> security cameras over there. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Let's see. We're an hour and 11 in. Um, I'll say we'll go like an hour and a half, but I wanted to get back to Caitlin and what Caitlin is up to and what Caitlin's Aww. doing with her artwork. Uh, what projects are you working on? You've been really making waves in the Miami scene. I see you've been busy. Aww. I'm always, I'm always following your Instagram and looking at the stuff that you're up to. And I love every time you're in an exhibit or doing something or flying back to New York and doing something there. I'm like, go Caitlin. Love to <gasps> see it. So what, what projects are you working on right now? Um, let's see. I am always doing too many things. Um, I, I yeah. Well, I'm taking I'm taking a writing workshop right now, so I'm actually like kind of getting back into more like poetry and mm -hmm. writing, and um, because I pull a lot of phrases like from my poetry, so it's like a really good way for me to get a like something really strong and, and condensed and then and then you know pull from it when, um, when you first shared some poems with me a few years ago i i it made total sense to me because so much of your work is deals with text right so yeah. for you to start delving into writing you even put a little book together you can talk about that too but it made yeah. total sense that transition i'm like oh that makes sense of course she's gonna start <laughs> writing some poems yeah, I, um, I enjoy it a lot. And um, all, you know, yeah, I mean, because a lot of my work can range from, you know, videos, performance, you know, um, and uh, photography and printmaking, but it's all has this like core of text. Uh, so just kind of like going even more into that. Um, but, and you know, that, and that was uh, inspired partly by Barbara Kruger's work. Oh, totally. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah very text-based um, too. Yeah, really, uh, really, and really love Kruger, always will. Um, and I remember when we went to the MoMA and she had the, the exhibit in the atrium. Oh, cool. I was like, Daniel, hold my phone. Yeah, I <laughs> love that, the giant installations like that. I think they're so interesting. And, you know, like, like you mentioned, you do all these things. And, you know, when we describe you, we can't just say, oh, Caitlin's a photographer, like a multimedia artist is what we would describe you as, you know, yeah. you do a lot, you do a lot of situational art too. So if people yes. want to see some of that stuff, go on Caitlin's website and she's done a lot yeah. of really interesting things um, in the world where you place yourself in a certain situation and then right. observe and record how people respond. Right. Maybe, I like maybe, posing people with a choice. Maybe talk about the mattress. Um, project oh, sure, yeah. and because that does tie into the epstein banner and the epstein too because you did bring the mattress to the mansion right right yes yeah. so, helped with <laughs> yes yeah in um in 2019 i started doing this project uh where i was writing on street mattresses and i was writing she was last seen on them and i was doing a lot of research around you know missing persons at the time and reading reading so many cases and noticing the repetitive language and um i'm really interested in patterns so i was like this is interesting like this kind of this keeps coming up over and over again and then there was this like bizarre mattress on 9th and 57th street right next to a construction site it wasn't like getting thrown out but it wasn't there for people to sleep on it was just like what is this is so weird and um i remember i was with kevin 
we were walking, we were going to like get like a glass of wine somewhere. And I was like, if I still want to write on this mattress after this glass of wine, like we're going to go do it. Cause I thought about it and I was like, all right, let me think. And then of course I was like, yeah, I gotta fucking do that. So we went back upstairs, got paint. And then I, you know, I did it. And then I would actually go back and kind of just stand around and people would be like walking and then they'd be like, I'm, I'm like, what is that? What does it say? And what do you think it says? And, you know, I'd start to talk with people about it. Like, I didn't, I had no idea what it was. You, you and, tried to play, play dumb like you were. Yeah, like, exactly. Because uh, I wanted to see, like, what people actually thought and, you know, how they were responding. And, um, and then that kind of became, like, a thing where I was just like, okay, I, I really want to just go around and start attacking these mattresses. And then I saw myself... You know, I was thinking of watching myself do the act and I was like, interesting, what I'm doing actually parallels with how victims of abuse are treated, right? They're attacked and then they, you know, they, a memento is taken or like, you know, these, these like psychopaths, they usually take something from yeah, a victim. So in, in your case, it's the photograph. You it's take a photograph. photograph. So you attack the message, you put it in the situation or you go to the situation, attack it, put the words on it take the photograph and then you leave right. it there and to discard just, it yeah, yeah. Discard it. and then in 2020 i revisited that project because i started thinking about titles i was like oh yeah. she was last seen running in central park she was last seen leaving jeffrey epstein's mansion and i was like well let me get a mattress not a street mattress like someone's mattress that they're actually you know disposing of um because uh, they don't want it anymore and um start placing it in site-specific locations and it's very laborious yeah. um, but so was... brent brent had to rent a truck from what i recall and yeah. help you guys put it on the truck and you drove it to epstein's uh yeah Epstein mansion was the first, yeah the mansion yeah. was the first place that we went actually but um, it's interesting because it, it kind of is a bit like an offshoot of the banner project or well it started before the banner project then you did the banner right. project then it fused, kind, of back. kind of fused together because the first picture you took in front of that mansion was the banner. Right. But then later you went back and you put the mattress in front of there too. What were yeah. people's reactions when you were doing that? Well, <laughs> no, one, no one was really around when, um, when we were at Epstein's place. But then when I brought it to Central Park, people, there was also few people around, but they were like, they were just kind of like, what is she, what is, what is she doing? You know, like just um, New York City. Another crazy yeah, day. it's fine. Um, yeah, it was it was so funny how we how we did that, and uh, and then I and then I also discarded it, you know, when I was done with it. Um, but it's interesting, and I think this is something you pointed out when whenever the mattresses were written on, they're always flipped over. Yes, you know, I was it's like mention that people it's don't like, want to people don't want to see it. They don't want right? to see it. And like, that's so like, how conceptually charged is that, right? Is like, because people don't want to see these topics. They don't want to acknowledge them. They just keep kind of flipping them over. Yeah. Um, and then I, I started, uh, you know, I kind of went back more specifically into the Epstein and Ghislaine case. And I did these text pieces called the convenience of denial. And it was all people who conveniently denied the relationship with Epstein and Maxwell, despite obvious proof that they had a relationship. Yeah. And I actually like omitted all the names and I just kept like the act itself. 
So it was like denies uh, denies relationship uh, denies relationship despite twenty six flight logs or you know. So if people like really followed the case, they would know uh, like what I'm talking about. Um, but it's just interesting how it's like it's so convenient for these people to now like deny all these things. And now we live in a very like denial lying culture where everyone's like just deny 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 or it's just a blatant lie. No one really cares if it's a lie. Um, and we just move on until like the next thing. It's just like kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, it's part of why the role, one of the major roles of the artist, I always believed is, is to bear witness. That's right. part of our role is to bear witness, to record the zeitgeist, to hold a mirror up to our zeitgeist, our society and say, this is what you are right now. And this right. is the stuff that you're not seeing, or this is the stuff that you're ignoring or that is unacknowledged. And you're a part of it too. And I think that's what makes your work so powerful. I think it's why people do like, if they see a mattress, like, you know, they flip it over because it makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. They don't, they don't want to contend with that stuff because it's a harsh, dark reality. Who wants to believe that the leaders who are in charge of a, a substantial amount of, of your life, who, who are your lawmakers yeah. are potentially yeah. involved with pedophile rings. Right. Yeah. So no one wants to, yeah. It's not a fun thing to That's think about. It's just a right wing talking point. Damn. Yeah, it's just a right wing talking point. You're like a MAGA conspiracy. <laughs> well, on that note of you know, bear witness and stuff, I, I'm assuming you continue to plan you plan to continue making work about Epstein and this Yeah. Story. So you know, it's it's a tricky thing as an artist, right? And I think You don't want to get pigeonholed, yeah. Right. And I think I think actors go through the same thing of like they don't want to just like do a similar role or be yeah. known for a certain thing. Yeah, you you don't want to be known as like, oh Caitlin, she's the one I was talking about Epstein. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, however, um I like Epstein will sort of always predation as a concept will always like hover over the work. And I think whenever I'm doing any work about, um, about, you know, the media or like even poems I'm writing, it's all sort of like, like it's predation is there, you know? So now I'm taking it as like a little bit more, um, as a concept and I'm not, you know, I don't have to talk about like specific things like missing persons or abduction or sex trafficking. It's like, I sort of feel like I kind of like, I really kind of went there with that. Um, and you know, I don't want to just be making work. That's, it's also really taxing, um, yeah. to make work like that. Um, and you know, I have the abduction video. I had like that, that work was really hard to make. Um, and uh, I'm also interested in other things, right? But uh, I think it still always will kind of tie in. So I, I did this um, text piece uh, called To Have an Original Thought. And there's a, there's a line, it's all about like, you know, is it possible to have an original thought anymore? Like who controls our thoughts? Um, and then I have like a line that was like, hashtag Jeffrey Epstein still didn't kill himself. You know, like, where do I go from here? You know, da, 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 da. it's kind of like this like chaotic, erratic piece. Um, 
but uh you know so you know and i did the will you buy me performance uh at uh art basel and untitled that was so interesting i remember when you first ran that concept by me i was like absolutely <laughs> you should do that that is really cool and weird and i've never heard of it done before so weird and that explain has... it to people what what was that exactly what was the concept? so um that was a project where i put a qr code on my back a massive one and it was a fake tattoo, but it was a real code. And the idea was I wanted to debut it at, you know, the, these art fairs, because it was also kind of a comment on, commentary on the art fairs and the art world hmm. as well. Um, but I wanted to become a commodity while commenting on commodification. Um, and coming from the work that I was making previous to that, it like it. It's it's so related in a way um, because now I'm selling aspects of myself, you know. And I was like, when I was building the project, it was like creeping me out. I was like, oh, I'm selling my smile. This is so weird. Yeah, like, it is weird. So, so I wore all white and I like moved to like kind of like very like robotically and I kind of hung out with like the podiums and um, the white walls and different art and I would like you know um, juxtapose myself with like other piece, like pieces of art that I thought were kind of would even add more meaning to what I was doing, whatever. And, um, and it was interesting because I would just also like get up and move. So people, I would like lay down on the ground and then just get up and move. I was like, see ya. And I had like a bunch of people around. They'd be like, where's she going? You know? Um, so I like, I like that about, you know, having like doing performance art like that because uh, you just you can you move around um, versus being like you know a stagnant object on a wall um, were, were a lot of people photographing the code uh yeah i got so many scans on the code because you can track it so um if you scanned me it brought you to this project called will you buy me which you can actually it's on my website so anyone can see it and um, I have aspects of my tangible and intangible self for sale. So Caitlin's smile is for sale, which is an object that you would get in the mail. Caitlin's debt is for sale, which is um, every $200 towards my student debt, I would do an active community service. Um, and then Caitlin's advice is for sale. So it would be uh, an anonymous recorded um, like 20, 15 to 20 minute phone conversation that I was thinking about later, it would be interesting to elongate that into like a sound piece where mm -hmm. you could just sort of like listen to like all of these, you know, thoughts and people's stories or whatever. Um, but the whole project is essentially a commentary on, uh, on cultural narcissism of like, by me look at me listen to me yeah. you know so i was also kind of i wrote like a statement for it that was like really like angry it was like really kind of just like um and then i but i still actually pull from that statement every once in a while but um i like rewrote it in a way that was a little less, bit less abrasive took the emotion out of it yeah <laughs> um but i talk about how like the construction of of you know uh the self is built by or the fragmentation of the self is promoted by these people you know in mass media who encourage people to be a victim and encourage polarization and encourage actually a true acknowledgement and of of oneself of of who one is you know they don't want people to figure like they don't want people to do you know the work of who they are or to be focused or to even be empowered truly yes. Um, know thyself. Yes. They don't want you to. 
no they don't they don't want that they want you kind of in this like um fractured and confused and yeah and angry yeah yeah kind of state of of existence um but it's interesting with the code because everyone sort of already knew what the qr codes were and how to use them so i'm gonna like i'm the culture is already they already know how it works so to take that and to put it on skin it's like kind of makes people like they're like what the fuck is that you know well then they have to think too like like should i take a picture of this person you know or am i allowed to does she want me to she put the code there but also i'm kind of uncomfortable i don't know her like well, and then I did a different thing where I put I put a smaller code here. Okay. And men were really freaked out by that. Yes. Because now I, instead of being like a passive observer with like on my back, people yeah. are just standing and walking, you kind can of see their me. reaction. They're treating yeah. me like the disposable object, like as I am like am, yeah. right? But having and, to look you in the face. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they're all like, is this okay? What does this mean? And it's also yeah. sort of like here, you know, um, like I'm not looking at your titties. I swear. Just yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> well, it's like we, you know, all these men, they've always been told like uh, my eyes are up here. Right. And now yeah. I'm like being like, actually, I want you to look right here. Yep. Yeah. Um, they're, con- they're like, is this a trick? Yeah. <laughs> like, is she going to photograph me and then accuse me of something? I'm later? like, no, it's a project Just scan me. <laughs> it's an art trick. It's, it's an art, art. but really that actually happened because um, there was a mistake made by the code that was put on my back and I was like, fuck. So I had so a smaller one on. here and mm-hmm. yeah. And then I was like, well, well, this is kind of a different thing now. So I uh, turned that frown upside down. Put one on your forehead next time. I know they look very weird on the skin. I put them on my hands, even though the, they deteriorate and they don't actually yeah. work because there's yeah. too many bumps. But yeah, the, the QR code as like a, as a thing is sort of interesting. And then I, you know, I started doing, um, different t-shirts. This is like kind of like a whole other thing, but I also incorporated the QR code into a series of fuck your algorithm shirts, um, which were fun to make. Um, and then I have like a kind of like a QR code that's like falling apart on the back, but there's actually one that does work. So you could scan it and it would bring you to the clothing and you could like read about the, you know, fuck your algorithm phrase and what it means and blah, blah, blah. So that was kind of cool. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm, I'm kind of in this phase right now where I'm like collecting a lot of like data and I'm um, pulling things and um, I'm that's, trying. That's I'm, been me for the last like three years yeah. not 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 totally by choice either but yeah i like i was thinking about this the other day i have like all these paintings in me still mm, yes. developed and i definitely have a few books in me like another poetry oh my collection. god you totally have books in uh, you yeah. like another poetry collection i want to write a collection of essays about yes. yeah. america over the last 10 years and my observations uh some of my personal experiences like occupy wall street january 6th just reflecting on that, you know, New York during the lockdowns, reflecting on that, that kind of stuff. And then I'm going to write a biography of a founding father from New Jersey. So, Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Where are you telling me? So I have like all these ideas and all this creativity built up, but I just haven't been settled enough to really focus on anything. But I know once I am like, the, it's just, it's going to start pouring out of me. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I, I do think artists have to go through those like data collection phases 
because right. you're, ga you're gathering new material. Like when we think of art, we typically just think of like the materials themselves that you're making something with. But none of that means anything if you don't have any of the internal material. of The creative spark. Yes, you know, but like experiences, you know, like thoughts, things, your feelings, the stuff that happens in you, that, that's the real material. The right. out external material. Let's cultivate your creativity. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but... Um, I just, I love to see you constantly grinding. I'm always very proud of you. You know, I brag to you, I brag about you to friends and stuff. And Caitlin, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me. I am more active on Instagram probably than Twitter, but um, my Instagram is just my name. Um, fortunately, there is not too many people that have Copenhaver in their name. So, and my website is also CaitlinCopenhaver.com. Um, so you can find me, my Instagram is, yeah, just at Caitlin Copenhaver and, you know, my email is Caitlin.Copenhaver at Gmail. Um, love chatting, love meeting new people, whoever is out there. Whoever's out listening. there. Yes. And go buy some art. Very important. You know, yes. that's the, the number, the number one way you can support an support artist. Your artists. Buy, buy their work, buy their work, you know, be a patron. Totally. Yes. Don't still forget get, to like, comment, subscribe, do all the things. And we'll be back Love again it. soon. Love you, fam. Stay safe. Yeah. Stay safe. Later, Thank everyone. See ya. Bye -bye.